Wait, that's a thing? Never heard of it. Oh, you have no idea. This is Haven Space, a safe place for fantasies. Brought to you by sex coach and researcher Sarah Perry. We're going to start today um, talking about something called sounding. Um, Sounding, in essence, is the practice of insertion into the urethral canal. Uh, It can happen with people who have penises and people who have vulvas and people who have things in between. Um, Most people in the world are born with urethras. If they're not, they'll have one artificially made, and most of them have access to it for pleasure because of the amount of nerve endings that exist there. So um, sounding sounds a little skittish, but um, we're going to come at this from the approach of curiosity, um, positive intent, and um, recognizing that there are people who've discovered the sensations inside of their urethra long before others, and therefore turned into um, somewhat of experts that may not have really known um, safe ways to do things. So, um, the first time I came across sounding, it was in a Chuck Palahniuk book um, that talked about, um, I think it was Stranger Than Fiction, that talked about somebody, um, a penis having person inserting um, the drips of the candle wax, um, pulling them off of the candles and inserting them into their penis and then masturbating with that inserted. So I've actually heard of um, masturbation with an insertion instrument before, and it wasn't until I started doing this specific research that I realized that that um, practice is called sounding. Um, There are three different types of sounding gear, and they all kind of have to do with the different um, fetishes that the person incorporates into sounding practices. So There's plugs similar to anal plugs. Um, There are plugs that you insert. They're typically about an inch long, much thinner, smaller, sometimes silicone, very rarely metal, a lot of times plastic also. So consider plastic and silicone um, as really good instruments to use just in terms of sanitation. They tend to be non-porous. Metal can also be non-porous, but much harder to clean in general. Sometimes a metal can hold bacteria in different ways than plastic and silicone always being the best because it can be sanitized in the dishwasher. So can metal, sometimes plastic cannot. So if you are looking for a starter step for sounding practices, it seems that plugs will be um, the best way to go. I always recommend silicone. Um, Also important to note, with sounding practices, you're going to be um, you're going to be using a water-based lubricant because your urea, your urine, um, is water-based. And so you want something that can easily be flushed out when you're done, um, with your self-pleasuring sessions. So stay away from silicone-based lubes, which means silicone toys are fine to use. Um, catheters tend to also be silicone-based or latex-based, I would stay away from any insertion of anything that's latex. Um, I know we like to use latex a lot. Obviously, most condoms that are affordable are latex. But use latex externally 
because you want to be able to see if you have a reaction. So unless you're under medical care, I do not recommend using latex anything internal. Um, so let's talk about a little bit about what categories this can fall into, where this fetish comes from, and kind of what what is um, attractive to people about it. So we're going to have, of course, the fetish of like medical and, and surgical fetishism. A lot of people enjoy feeling like they're under the care of somebody or that someone has some kind of a higher knowledge that could be like a power play dynamic. Um, it can also come from experiences of like extreme loss of control or non-consensual sexual touch, um, non-consensual medical touch. For example, the idea that a person goes to the doctor and very much does not want to be poked and prodded, such as a prostate exam, but it still happens and it's part of the power dynamic and the ethos of a doctor that you trust that they're making decisions for your health, that can be easily transformed and even kind of like counteracted with taking ownership over consensual medical touch. So a lot of these medical play fetishes can come from experiences and they're actually being used as therapies um, for people who have experienced a lot, a lot of non-consensual medical touch. And a lot of times this can be children that grew up in the medical complex, children who had either um, differently abled bodies when they were born or um, traumatic diseases um, and conditions that involved a lot of medical intervention at an early age. So when we think about why people like things, let's consider that we are all entirely human. Every part, every cell, every memory, every sensation comes from the entire hauntology, the entire historicity of what it is to have and own a body and exist in the world that we exist in with all of the ideas that people impart into us already, even before we're able to understand that they're ideas that were implanted into us, right? So that's why we come at sexual um, fetishes and sexual encounters with curiosity, with intent, and with positive regard always. Um, Another category this could fit into is the category of effluvia, which is really um, anything that has to do with bodily secretions. Effluvia in general doesn't necessarily mean that you fetishize the secretion. So um, there could be um, some people that fetishize the sensation of warmth of being bathed over them, and it doesn't matter what causes that, right? So um, it's not necessarily a sexual attraction exactly to secretions. A sexual attraction to bodily secretions themselves is called hydrophilia, and hydrophilia has to do with um, any body secretion. Secretion. So we're talking, um, it could be tears, it could be semen is perhaps the most common, um, in pornography, there's a ton of semen play, um, a ton of like female ejaculate play where girls are squirting and there's like everyone getting bathed in the squirt fluid. And that's a huge part of a very like commercialized um, and I would say mildly palatable form of hygrophilia. So just take this as a step further. 
Um, also, urophilia specifically has to do with urine. So this is the specific kind of hygrophilia that we're talking about. And it only, this type sounding specifically would only be related to urophilia if you were going as far as to use a catheter. So another type of sounding gear would be a catheter and it can be used, um, obviously it's a tube, it is hollow, flexible most of the time, which makes it much easier to fall into the urethral canal easily because neither people with vulvas nor people with penises have straight urethras. So there has to be a bend for it to, or a flexibility for it to be able to be inserted. So a catheter goes, it gets inserted all the way into the bladder and eliminates bladder control. And that's where that fetishism of urophilia can come in. If someone, and easily combined with uh, medical and surgical fetishism, if someone wants the feeling of the loss of bladder control, especially through a type of like dominant power play, then this is a very extreme way to achieve that, correct? So if you're following me, we've already covered two types of sounding gear, plugs, beginner stuff um, about an inch in, catheters being the other end of the spectrum, the most extreme, complete insertion into the bladder. Um, and then there's an in-between one that we call sounds. Um, sounds are the basis for the name sounding, and it is typically not hollow. A sound can be a straight metal bar. Most of the time they are metal, so completely inflexible. So insertion of a sound has to be um, something done by someone who has, first of all, known and learned a little bit about sanitation and about urethral shape and someone who is completely comfortable with the experience. I would suggest inserting sounds alone for the first time because the power dynamic of having someone interacting with you can cause you to push a little bit further into your kind of um, bubble, to push a little bit outside of your comfort zone and discomfort. And this is the type of thing that has to be done specifically with intention of sensation. If anything feels uncomfortable, that's the moment to stop, to rearrange, to angle differently. And you may be less likely to do that if you're, um, if you're with another partner at the time or many other partners, of course. Um, once you've figured it out, I think you're completely clear to include somebody else, perhaps even let someone else hold the sound and insert it. But check this out by yourself first. Um, another thing that is uh, important to note, especially if you have a penis, um, complete erection of your penis will make it difficult to insert a sound. So start with a semi-flaccid penis, insert straight in, and then as you get to about the base, then you angle down kind of towards your testicles, but not all the way down. And there is a shift in the shape of the urethra. A lot of times it's been described that people find that after you start inserting it, it easily kind of pulls itself in. Um, so there's a lot of uh, descriptions about sensations 
sensations of fullness of a different type of orgasm, like an internal orgasm. Um, I could see that happening just because we've made the connection between pleasure and excretion. So whether it's an ejaculate, whether it's urine, there is an association between movement of fluid through the urethra and some level of pleasure. So um, another further step is this being categorized as a form of bestiality. Well, you say, well, how is this bestiality? A lot of times, um, especially in places where people don't have access to safe uh, sounds, uh, catheters or plugs, they could be using animals. What animals could fit into urethra? Well, um, small snakes, um, worms. So, of course, um, snakes have their own risk and you're looking at a much thicker animal. Um, worms specifically have been used extensively for this type of sounding play um, because of a few different reasons, but it turns out that worms are not attracted to the smell of urea, so they will not enter a person's bladder on their own. They will come out immediately afterwards. Um, they also naturally scurry, so being found having found an entry point into something to hide in, it seems very reasonable that they enter penises. Um, from the research I was doing, it seems that people have an easier time inserting worms when they use smoke or heat because worms tend to get away from smoke and heat. So they kind of easily navigate into the urethra and then shuffle back out so they can move in both directions. Um, a lot of people described an incredible sensation just from the kind of movement of um, of contracting the body that the worm does in order to move. I don't know that there's a way to mimic that with um, with tools that would be artificial. Now, I don't condone inserting animals into your body. I certainly. Um, believe in animal rights, and I believe that this could be a form of animal cruelty, of course, especially if you are uh, burning an animal or something of that sort. Um, but I wanted to give you the information that I'm getting. Um, a few things that I read about when using animals specifically is sanitation. Obviously, worms like earthworms have been in the dirt, so People rinse them in a solution of vinegar and water quickly because they can drown. Um, people dry them carefully. People use very, very large amounts of lubricant. Again, we're looking at water-based lubricants only for any practice of sounding. And um, things we want to be careful about are the last things I'd like to cover. So um, like I said before, this is very sensation-based. Um, your urethra is a very flexible tube. It um, comes back to its size. You can rupture it. You can cause damage if you use something sharp. So be careful about using anything that could be sharp in any way. Um, be careful about using anything made out of anything that could have uh, splinters. So let's steer away from any type of wood unless it was specifically made for sounding, and I have not seen any sounds um, that are made out of wood, but I'm not saying that they don't exist. 
um, anything that could break, crumble. So any type of chalk, definitely not wax. Do not use wax sticks. And Chuck Palahniuk will warn you about that also. Um, I don't... Oh, make sure, like I said, to if you're inserting into um, a penis, to insert while the penis is still somewhat flaccid so that you have the flexibility of entering a space that is not as tight and also you're able to bend the penis to allow the natural slope of the urethra to follow your to be followed by the sound that you're inserting um when it comes to of course sanitation make sure your hands are clean make sure that the area of your body in front of your urethra has been sanitized as well as can be of course if it is your vulva you don't use soap on your vulva but go ahead and use some warm water um you can use hydrogen peroxide no alcohol um lubricant lubricant, lubricant, as always. Make sure you're trusting your body. If something doesn't feel like it feels good, it's fine. It is completely normal. It is completely normal to want to ejaculate while something is inserted into the urethra. In the case of someone with a vulva, typically ejaculate will not come out of the urethra, so you can do both at the same time. In the case of a penis, ejaculate does come out through the urethra. It does not matter that it's semi-stopped up because it will still flow through. The urethra, like I said, is flexible. It will open and allow that to flow around. And that might be a completely different sensation. That could be very enjoyable. Um, in some of the things I was reading about worm play, some people said that they specifically will orgasm while a worm is inside of them and then ex ex excrete the worm with it. Um, so it seems that there's no actual issue with that happening at the same time as having something inserted. Um, it is also very typical to feel some burning while urinating um, for the next day or two. Make sure you urinate immediately after any kind of urethral play just to make sure that the lubricant is out, that the bacteria has been flushed out. Um, I always suggest to drink water a lot before sex because having a full bladder and going and urinating immediately after intercourse is the most important way to prevent urinary tract infections. Um, lastly, of course, if something becomes lodged into your body, relax, try to drink some water, try to urinate. This is not like an anus. Your urethra does not function like a vacuum. But if something does become lodged and you've tried for 15, 20, 25 minutes to get it out and you've relaxed and you've urinated and it's still not coming out, get yourself to the doctor. Be honest with your doctors. It's okay to be embarrassed, but it's also okay to let your practitioners know what's actually happening so they can help you in the best way possible. When we lie to our doctors, we're doing them and ourselves a disservice, not to mention a disservice to every single other person that also needs to see the doctor and needs to have a doctor that can acknowledge that people do wild, crazy shit sometimes. So thank you for joining me. I hope you learned a little bit more about sounding and I hope that you have an amazing time today and that you explore your pleasure in a safe and healthy way.
This has been another podcast of Haven Space. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Haven Space by Sarah and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Haven Space by Sarah. If you enjoyed this talk, consider becoming a patron and helping fund more talks like this in the future.